but I would be lying if I said that there weren't times that it was also because I felt like maybe I didn't look ballerina-ish enough. I know that there's lots of things about my natural physique that are um, for ballet, but I'm, I also know that I definitely am more on the athletic side Hello and welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with me, your host, Lydia Holt. Thank you for joining me for another episode. It's always lovely to have you. And I'm so excited to bring you this episode today because it's brought to you in sponsorship by Titans. Titans tights enable dancers to look and feel their best so they can dance their best. Titans was founded to boost a dancer's confidence through enhancing their appearance. Their unique design defines a dancer's athletic line. They're durable, distinctive, and bold. And they really do make you feel good about yourself. And what's more important when you're dancing that you feel better about yourself, you feel good, you feel confident. I have a pair and I love them and I really do feel better when I wear them. So I think you should all do yourself a favor and get yourself a pair. And with Red Lips High Kicks, we're offering 10% off when you type Red Lips at checkout. That's Red Lips, R-E-D-L-I-P-S. <laughs> Very simple, but just thought I'd be more clear. And in today's episode, we really get into body confidence. I talk to first soloist of the Royal Ballet, Claire Calvert. Claire has danced roles from Sugar Plum to Mirtha and Giselle to Lilac Fairy. She's a real pillar of that company, one of the most iconic, strongest, most amazing dancers of the UK today. And she was so honest with us, refreshingly honest. And she tells us all about how her body confidence, her relationship with her body, how she keeps herself feeling good. She's such an advocate for strength training and conditioning. And she really lets us in on her journey, her injuries, how she survives in this industry. She's been dancing with the Royal Ballet for over 14 years. So she knows her stuff and she's uh, she's so generous with it. And she really is so wise and I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did it's so great to have a sponsorship and to be able to bring you this episode with Titans they are a great company and I love their product and I love their message so I'm really excited to bring you this today obviously follow us on Instagram at redlips.highkicks share this give it a like give us a comment you know what I'm going to say have a great day stay excellent and buy your Titans Hi Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about this episode and so excited to pick your brain. How are you getting on? Yes, no, I'm excited um, to be um, on with you today and stuff. So yeah, no, we are very fortunate that during uh, this uh, lockdown, we're still able to go into the Opera House and work. So I'm just holding on to that at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, and it's that like last glimmer of routine and like, okay, it's normal, yeah. don't panic. <laughs> yeah. Great. And I think it's been, it's it's very hard to stay positive in this time. I mean, obviously it hits lots of people very, very different. I've count myself as a fortunate one, you know, we're, we're safe, we're healthy, whatever. But it is really important, I think, to keep that kind of positivity about what this experience this year has taught us. What has this year kind of taught you? What, what are you taking out of this as the good? <laughs> um, I think... Um, for me, the biggest thing has been, um, sort of how I've connected with people, um, which is in a different way to maybe what I normally would have in my normal working routine and life. Um, I actually spent the first lockdown, which, um, was the much harsher one that's, that than is now uh, back at my parents with my partner Alexander Campbell who's also principal with Royal and um, it 
wasn't intentional we kind of went for the weekend thinking if we're going into a lockdown maybe it would be nice to see them and anyway the lockdown came much quicker than we thought it was going to and so we ended up spending 10 weeks there and that is the longest that I spent at home since I was 11 um and I'm 32 and <laughs> so for me it was actually nice to spend more than just, you know, my mum coming up to watch a show and then travelling back down the next, like travelling back home the next day after I've gone to work. And it's like, you know, you, the only time you really see each other is on the tube on the way back because then normally it's like, oh, quick to bed because we've got the same thing tomorrow and things. So, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I was nervous, but I was thinking like, oh gosh, like how is this going to be? Also, you know, with my partner and stuff, you know, it, it, I thought mm, this could be um, interesting, but it actually, I think it, it works very well and we had a bit more space. So um, I think when my dad was trying to make coffee in the mornings and like Alexander was in his tights doing grill back <laughs> I was like oh my god what is going on um but it you know it, it worked very well and we kind of all did our own things during the day and then came back together in the evenings for a meal and stuff and yeah I feel now looking back I feel very fortunate to have had that time and I feel like we kind of connected as a group um a lot and I guess yeah also keeping in touch with um the rest of our family we had like uh, group zoom quizzes and things with I have some family in Berlin and my sister and um, her husband and my niece are in Australia and obviously Alexander's family is in Australia so we did a bit of that and I think you know although they were kind of weird times they're also nice to look back on now and I think from a family sort of point of view yeah, no, and I, I think you're right. So many people are realising that this lockdown was the first time. Not only that they stopped, but they indeed actually spent time with family because it's just yeah. go, go, go. And we start so young that actually yeah. it's more than a summer holiday. It's more than an Easter half term or, you know, an end yeah. of season. It really was a long time to actually just stop and be with your loved ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're one of the lucky ones who actually have been on stage. So you must tell me and everyone who hasn't been on stage yet. What was that like? You finally got to kind of feel the heat of the lights and feel that yeah. like anxiety. Yeah, it was I have to say so the first show that we did was um, we did a live streaming. So it um, we did have a small audience, which was of um, some school some nhs workers and um some uh donors and and things like that but very small and also the orchestra was in the stalls so you there weren't people sat in yeah. seat it was kind of weird that like it, it seemed very much sort of not like a real show in the yes. sense of see and they were sat socially distanced around like that and um, it was very surreal, I have to say, because the most normal part was the actually being on stage. All the rest of it was still this weird yeah. wearing mask, not like really feeling kind of strange, like 
backstage we had seats like that you could leave your stuff on but you had to be by that seat with your mask on literally before you just go on the stage and do oh. your thing um and so it was that kind of surreal thing of doing this amazing performance on stage mm -hmm. and then you go back to your chair put your mask on and you know and that's the reality of it really yeah. and I think that's gonna be the hardest thing going forward is that um, we're still very far from normality, you yeah. know, for us. It's not like, um, oh, a pub's reopened and you just go back to service, serving people, but behind a plastic mm -hmm. screen or things like that. For us, like the fact that we might have to wear face coverings for like the next however long yeah. is is it's not sort of normal for us mm. um and the the sort of thought process behind what rep we do who's dancing with who all these things are just extra plays on what is already a difficult thing to deal with as a as a dancer as an artist whether you're going to get to do certain roles or dance certain things or dance with the person you want to dance with because there's now a whole other thing in play where it's like oh actually like you have to dance with this person because we're testing you and you can only dance with this person like yeah. you know it's another added um element yeah to that's a, a, a difficult situation yeah that's such a good point i didn't think about that at all as you're right there's always anxieties with kind of what your foreseeable future looks like what the rep is yeah. exactly are you going to be fit this that and the other and actually this is now an additional one and again with the time limit of how short a career dancers is it's sort of like i don't actually want to faff about for a year and not have the season that i want but i didn't think yeah. about that it's true yeah so but but yes the performance was um very special and then um last last wednesday i think yeah last wednesday we which was the day before the lockdown we did our first live to audience one and only opening a show because we were supposed to do a run of like nine shows or something and so we managed to do one and i have to say that i was very lucky that i got to perform dying swan in that show and it was pretty amazing I have to say like sort of knowing and feeling like the audience out there and also I feel like being able to go on and portray that real feeling of that like we feel like we're dying mm. not being able to do what we want to do you know mm. not having all these restrictions and having these things in place that are stopping us from being able to do the part of the job that we do all of this training for yeah. you know we we don't do ballet class to keep fit like we do obviously but we do it as part of a process to be able to rehearse to be able to do your stage course to eventually do your performance and that's what we're really working towards we're not you know in fact sometimes ballet class isn't really enough to keep you like a hundred percent fit you yeah, need to yeah. be doing the the rehearsals doing the shows doing all parts of the process but really what what we all want to be doing is the performing part mm. 
and that's what makes the whole thing complete so I think um, therein lies the struggle for people even though you know there are positive elements of what we've been able to keep doing and and had you know available to us but until we can open theatres and let people come in and watch you know it's just not quite yeah good same for us no and all like, dying swan is very uh, symbolic of, of exactly yeah. as you said the time we are in right now and it gave me use once you're talking about that it is that that cooling and that emotional journey that we all go on just to do that just to be on stage yeah. and yeah to be able to have done that with our audience for the first and last time must have been incredibly moving and yeah. oh god it is uh it is it's is a really it's a really tough time um for, for dancers everywhere on a positive note <laughs> Let's just switch this up before people like turn off. Um, your dancing career, let's go right back to the beginning. How did you get into it? Where was that kind of inspiration come from? How did you know you wanted to do it? And kind of what got you to where you are now? So um, my sister and I, I think both started dancing quite young. Um, I think I was maybe like three or four. She's two years younger than me, but I'm sure she followed on very quickly. If not, we went, um, together and I guess I you know I obviously enjoyed it otherwise I probably would have done that thing that lots of us do where I don't want to go anymore <laughs> no um but I had lots of interest in after school things and athletics like sports stuff and and as well as ballet I wasn't like too into other forms of dance that much like I, I I I wasn't as drawn to those as I was ballet I guess um but you know I was plodding along and then um when I was doing one of my exams in the you used to get your marks for your each thing and then there'd be like a notes page mm. and on the notes page the examiner said that she thought I should audition for JAs, which is Junior Associates program of the Royal Ballet School, and it's based in different parts of England, um, you know, to reach out from the base of London where the school is. Yeah, I was a JA as well. It's a good little program, yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. And I was um, Bath, Bristol area, so it kind of switched between the two a little bit, just, I'm not entirely sure why but they're not very far away from each other so I went to that for three years um started monthly and then went sort of every couple of weekends I remember like it was um but yeah I did that and while I was there they you know obviously as part of the Royal Ballet School said about going to the summer school which I did um and I went with who was also a J with me at the time, Bethany Kingsley Garner, who's now principal in Scottish Ballet. And I remember she was terribly, terribly homesick. Um, and I feel like <laughs> me sort of like, I don't know, actually now when I think about it, I think maybe I wasn't really that aware of my emotions that much when I was very young. Um, and I just cried and was homesick as well. <laughs> was because I was homesick. I think it was because I was like, oh, like... That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because like, I don't remember actually feeling like 
that I didn't enjoy the time there. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I auditioned for the Royal Ballet School and got in. And, you know, obviously my homesickness wasn't mm. a question of whether I was going to go or not. And I, um, so I joined White Lodge in 99, 2000, which was actually the reopening of the Opera House um, oh. from it being redone. So I feel like it was quite... Um, a special time to join really because those um opportunities to work with the company for while the opera house was shut i think had been a bit um like smaller or not as often so like nutcracker was back swan lake was back and so i was really lucky to do all of those um things as a white lodger so i was there for five years and then um, joined the after school for three years and got my contract with the Royal Ballet after that. Mm. And yeah, I've been there for like, I think 14 years now, I think, or this is my 14th season. Oh. I get very confused with those kind of things when, you know, ballet seasons, it's always like 2000, 2001. So <laughs> when you, when you when, how long you've been there, you're like, but I joined in this year, but <laughs> year and the end of the season will be this year um but yeah so that's kind of my mm. um, journey that way and I guess sort of from um a point of view of sort of how I felt about all of those was and I definitely wasn't one of those kids that was like you know mommy, mommy, I want to be a ballerina. Like I wasn't, but there was obviously something that kept me going at it. I think I like um, having something to work on and I like the, the, the sort of never ending um, having something to work yeah. on. I think that definitely um, drives me and I think whatever it would have been I would have I think I would have tried to seek out something that gave me that kind of element um it's that like challenge isn't it it's like being hungry yeah. and with ballet not having like a roof as there is in like you know university you have to get the grades or you know A's yeah. you can get. in dance it's not actually a roof you can't get an A and be happy with it you're always asking yeah it. I mean it drives you crazy yeah. but it is also sort yeah. of that yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right with that. It does drive you crazy, but I like that's also the the element that sort of has kept me going as well. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah. And as over your career, you know, you've had you know you've been like you said you've been in the company for 14 years. It's it's you're so lucky that you've been able to kind of grow and see yourself evolve. Have how have you changed throughout your career, I guess, from when you left school to how you are now? Have you seen yourself change as you've matured into like a woman than you were when you left school? And has it affected yeah. your dancing? I think, um, I think it's very true in life in general, but sounds very cliche. But like, I wish I knew now, I wish, wait, let me get this right. <laughs> I wish I knew what I know now when I first joined the company and obviously that is impossible but because you know you the things have to happen in your life yeah. to to know and understand these things but I think 
um, there are sort of certain um, focuses that I had that I wish had been a bit different um, because I think like I, I think that they might have been things that held me back in certain areas you know mm. I've when I look back on the things that I've done I've I'm on paper I've had a hugely successful career um and I'm very proud of everything that I've done and everything that I've achieved um but I I I do feel like there's like one level and obviously like for me you know that is that principal level that like if if I'd have had a bit more focus on um sort of the artistry side of things and let myself um be confident in my ability to let go on the stage um I think I could have progressed in certain areas a bit more but I think because because of that drive in me to be technically perfect unless I feel technically as near to perfect as possible sometimes it's hard for me to or it was hard for me to just let go and enjoy the moments knowing that actually this is easy for you you can I'm talking to me right now <laughs> <laughs> you know like to, to actually go you know what you you've worked hard you can do the steps like you don't need yeah. to worry about that you you just need to go out there and be the character that you're being mm. and enjoy the performance um and I think in my head it was always like but you're gonna get the recognition because you're good you can do the steps and sometimes dependent on you know people's opinion not opinions but people's um what they enjoy watching what they want to see on the stage those kind of some people love to watch dancers that are technically really good and other people actually come and watch the show and see someone for the character that they play rather mm. than how turned out they are or whether they were in a perfect fifth position or things like that and i think um I wish that sort of earlier on I'd been able to recognize that in myself whereas now I can I can recognize that and I think that like I've 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 tried in the last you know few years to focus on that more but I wish that I'd done that or been able to identify that when I was yeah. younger it's that perfectionism isn't it it's just always like and it can be a distraction from like you said the artistry and it's difficult yeah. because you don't know where to aim for because you said quite rightfully some people prefer the technicians and other people are like well actually I want to see an artist but it is hard and like I definitely think yeah that recognition of being like well if at least I do it right people will see that but actually you know yeah. it's got to feel good and it's got to make sure that you're like doing it you're not getting distracted by trying to be perfect which is we all know unobtainable but yeah. actually being on stage and being present in that moment yeah. it is such a, a fine line to, to get right yeah no it's interesting and like do you think 
this is the career you thought you'd have when you well I guess from school but especially when you got into the company is this the trajectory that you thought you were going to have or has it kind of changed I think in, in some ways yeah I I had a bit of a well not a blip actually because I think it was actually um good for me in lots of ways but I had one year out um because I had knee surgery um but I think actually in some ways I needed that break to kind of reset my thought process and sort of how I was going about things and you know when you join a company compared to when you're in school there's you're very much left to your own devices yeah and it's very easy to um not be able to recognize sort of uh behavioral patterns or or um physical patterns that you get into um when you just do things on a day-to-day basis and don't have as much quality control over you know mm-hmm. what you're doing because you're in a class with how many people and the class is there to warm you up it's not necessarily there to sort of push you technically or you know you might have done six one lakes that week and you just you know it's 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 the focus around that isn't you know to pass the exam to get into the next year or you know whatever so um and so I felt like it was quite a good time for it to come I also had just been promoted well that season that I was doing my I injured my knee at the end of that season but that was my first season as a soloist so I still managed to get over the 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 challenge of getting out of the core in, to become a soloist but then obviously having a year out that's always a significant period of time where you feel like are you now on catch-up kind of thing um I guess I always hoped slash saw myself as a first soloist in the company and I think the like the dream part was obviously, you know, to be a principal, but that's always, I think the kind of, for every dancer as as many as I'm sure if you asked the people, all the people that are principals in, you know, any company, there will have been a time where they weren't sure whether it would happen or not. Even, you know, people like Marinella and, Mm. and, Vadim and you know Yasmin and all, all these people that there is always that sort of like tipping point of okay. are you that chance to to have that recognition or you know because as a first soloist you can still do a lot of the principal roles yes you know like I, I've still done like a good chunk of yeah you've the Shetland, Lilac Fairy those are all the ones that yeah. you think of as principal dancers but like you said you've still done yeah. them um, and I, I like to think most of the time, I think it's about the work that you do, not necessarily like the rank that you have and that yeah. you, you can still do a role as well as you would, whatever rank you were and the role 
done as well. Um, but I guess there is also that um, feeling like that I think everyone in life likes to feel that like you put the work in and you get some kind of reward back for it other than just like, oh, good job, good yeah, show. Yeah. Like, um, but, you know, a lot of these things, you know, is timing and also I was, my time has sort of been split between two directors. Um, so sort of like my first part, I think I was promoted to soloist the Kevin's first year. Okay. Um, but I, I, I couldn't say for sure, but I, I think even it, it was obviously not a joint joint decision, but kind of, so I assume that possibly that would have happened under Monica as, as mm. well. Um, so, but then this, yeah, second half, um, from there, yeah, it's been with Kevin and he definitely has, um, a broader uh, span on the company with regards to ranks and roles and all those kind of things. Um, so I think as an individual, it's sometimes hard to see your place when there seems like such a broader amount of people doing the same yes. work as you mm. or high ranked work than you and uh, things like that. But um, yeah, I guess I, I think, yeah, as I said, that I think there was a possibility that I could have um, also a possibility that I could have left and joined a different company mm. and maybe had a different journey in, in that way. I think what was always hard for me is that being such a product of the system, like, I guess I was a bit I was and am a bit blinkered to what I see as what it means to do a certain role, like yeah. to do snake with the Royal Ballet, to do Nutcracker with the Royal Ballet. Like, it's not that I think that any, that other places aren't as good. It's just that, that they became my, what I grew up around yeah, it was and, the like scale that you had yeah. any like yards like yeah and and possibly that is another element of things that could have made things different for me if 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 I'd have been more open yeah. to those ideas as well um yeah yeah no it's interesting and yeah like you said you're such a product of such an amazing establishment you know worldwide yeah. so it's interesting kind of like you said your your perception now you're here having had the career you've had and been in the company for yeah. so long it's really interesting so because this is our titan sponsored episode i'm so excited to talk to you about body confidence and body image you know titans is all about feeling your best so you can dance your best and i'm sure you know as every dancer knows that confidence is so tied to our performance and how we feel and how we put ourselves on that stage and our mental health and everything it really is an integral part of how we keep going as dancers what is your relationship with your body and your body confidence and how you keep yourself feeling good and dancing your best yeah um i guess um it's it's always a difficult one to like express sometimes I think as a dancer because um it's just so um 
I think people just assume that, you know, dancers, you would have an issue with your body or yeah. that there would be some form of disordered eating mm. or things, which unfortunately, like, is kind of true. Yes, yeah. But not in a, not always in a sort of as depressing way as it sounds. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, it's just a fact that, like, as any other athlete you have to be in a certain amount of shape like yeah. that's it's you, you need to be you need to be fit and healthy and and strong enough to do the work mm. that is asked you um however there's obviously that that line of being fit and healthy and some people looking a certain way like that and other people not being able to sustain either side of the balance. Yes, yeah. Of, of what, of how you are expected to look aesthetically as a dancer. Um, I think, fortunately, um, the ideal aesthetic of a dancer has evolved and changed. Yeah. Um, in in a more diverse way now mm. um i think when i you know was at school and sort of starting out there was still that kind of you know idea of that you just had to be as thin as possible that's what made you know a a good dancer i was never going to be that because I'm just not built in that way that I, I feel like mentally and physically, I just, I, I like to feel in shape and I like to feel strong. Um, but I just, I, I don't think I have that switch in me to, to be able to go so far that I would be unwell. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of strength training stuff, which um, is not everyone's um, cup of tea. Um, <laughs> I feel like it works for me. I, I like to use weights and things like that, which, you know, again, not everyone likes to do. Um, and there is sort of a stigma around that using weight makes you bigger and bulkier and um, things like that. I haven't found that personally, um, but I know some people sort of say they look at a weight and their muscles get bigger, but I don't think that that's that. Yes. Um, but I would still say that I, you know, like I touched upon before that I guess I used um, that feeling of freedom on stage because of a technical point of view, but I would be lying if I said that there weren't times that it was also because I felt like maybe I didn't look ballerina-ish enough. Mm. Um, and I know that there's lots of things about my natural physique that are um, for ballet the shape of my legs, my feet, my proportions, I think are generally 
good for ballet, but I'm, I also know that I definitely am more on the athletic side than the sort of, um, I don't know what the opposite word would be to that, but the sort of, the opposite. Of yeah, athletic. that more like, I don't want to say, again, I, I mean no offence, that fragility, I think, yeah. just being a little bit more dainty. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so interesting you said it earlier and I think you're right it is we're like sports cars you know we have to we have to do these things you know the same way that those f1 cars have all that attention they have to be functional look good xyz and I just think with with dancers it's unfortunate that it becomes emotional and it happens to to boys and girls but it is and it's I wish I could so so often disassociate their emotion with the physicality and you know just treat it as a tool, just treat it as my sports car. But I don't yeah. know whether it's because it's this sort of uniform that we never take off, where you know it's we're like wearing our job, whether we're like lying on the sofa or like in the gym doing a 20k, like it doesn't matter. We're always like wearing the tool that makes us do the work, yeah. which gets us the job. But it is, it's it's so hard to get that balance right of being okay with your tool, being okay with your sports car. Yeah knowing it's different, knowing it's more athletic or dainty or however it is, but it just getting it, not making it emotional. And it's such a fine line. And I think you're right. I think it is changing. I see way different bodies around now, but I think when you're young, you do feel, and I definitely know I did, that I had to look one way. And if I didn't, I just wouldn't make it like as simple as that. Yeah. Like, there wasn't the room if you didn't look that way. Yeah. And when you were at school, did you ever find again, being in these establishments and I know that like in other countries, they don't really have as big a schools and systems as we do in the UK, which, you know, we're very lucky, but it does kind of sometimes encourage that comparison in, I don't know, I was like oh, competition, but that sort of, uh, community that maybe sometimes can be a little bit dangerous. Did you ever struggle with comparison when you were younger and kind of going into the company? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, um, also it's this, you know, it's kind of, especially, you know, for women, um, there's a lot of changing going on, like from sort of age 16, <laughs> you know, especially, you know, as people that exercise a lot, like puberty generally sort of is a bit more prolonged and possibly even later or yeah. a bit lower. And there was definitely a part of me that was sort of, I still now, find it hard to um, know and understand how these people that make decisions about how you look at a certain age, how they think they know what you're going to be like when you're like four years older or, you know, or how they could help you in that time while you're going through sort of changes in your body. Because, yeah. if, you know, at some point, you're going to become a woman and when you're in a company you at some point if you I feel like if you want to progress you want to look like a woman mm -hmm. you know you can still be slender and thin but look like a woman um and it's not about having breasts or like having hips it's it's learning that your body has to go through changes and it needs certain things to be able to do that. And it's yeah. not because you're overweight or you're, you know, eating too much or, you know, possibly you might be, but there also needs to be the help 
to figure that out and work out what's going on, not just like, you know, oh, you know, you, you, you don't look good enough or you're, yeah. you know, fit enough or whatever. I mean, definitely there were a couple of us when we were in uh, second year up school and we weren't allowed to do pas de deux because we were too heavy for the boys um or we weren't allowed to do lifts or something. I can't remember we could do like turns and stuff like that but like big lifts and things like that and like I just remember thinking like why does it always have to fall on to the women that like we're too heavy to be lifted and not that the boys aren't strong enough to lift us mm. like it, it's always that sort of um dynamic when it comes to things like that and you know there's all this talk all the time about how you know men are you know usually or boys are usually you know a couple of years behind women when it comes to puberty and things like that yeah. and you're like so you're asking boys two years younger than us to lift us like from a strength and um mm. sort of whatever point of view and I just like it, it I think it really stuck with me that kind of thing as well and that's yeah. definitely something like going forward that I've always like worried when it's come to part of their stuff and thought like oh they're probably going to think I'm really heavy you know because mm. that was yeah definitely something that you know stuck with me and I think it it is about or it should be about actually looking at the people as individuals and not just um, putting that sort of broad term or broad view of that like oh they're just not going to be the right body shape for ballet yeah like, yeah you know I've I've in my time I've seen so many people that were a certain way when they were younger that are just the complete opposite when they're older mm. and the other way around and some people that just never changed and you know it's just not I don't I, I, I don't know how they think that they know what people are going to end up looking like yeah yeah and I don't think they can say they do but they mm. they act like they do and they will like oh no, like assess people out or, or not take them to the after school because they think they're going to look a certain way or be a certain yeah. way. Um, yeah. And, or possibly even in a company, you know, not take someone because they think that they're going to be like this or be like that. And then often not how they think that people are yeah. going to turn out. It's, it's, but I also... <laughs> weirdly empathize with them because it, I don't even know like I don't know how you would make that judgment call yeah. on those kind of things because you know it is hard to tell um but no, it's and it's a shame because it does sometimes in that example that you use it breeds an environment of a bit of guilt and shame like you said it's the girl's responsibility to be good enough for the men and yeah. it's that's like already you're under so much pressure already you're probably not the most confident you know I think those years are really hard emotionally you know you're trying yeah. really hard you're probably already like all those hormones whatever 
to try feel your best and you when you already feel like you're not hitting the bar like you're not good enough like that that does cut deep and like you've said it last an impression that you know you're one of the most in-demand ballerinas in the UK like and to say that you you kind of still feel that way it shows the impact of what yeah. those things can do and it is but I think you're right it is changing and I love how much you are an advocate for kind of strength training and conditioning in the ballet world like it's definitely something that I have seen within my like you know at school there wasn't a strength trainer when I turned about 16 17 we had a trainer at school and the difference that makes of actually treating us like athletes and kind of yeah. almost it enables a bit more respect as well for the respect yeah. for our bodies and actually like we want to keep you healthy and safe not like bend break mold yourself into the perfect ballerina and we're not going to tell you how to do that like when there's no like yeah. book to be like this is the perfect try achieve it but to actually appreciate our bodies and push them in a strength way rather than like a minimizing yeah. way is so healthy and, and encouraging and I love yeah you're such a, a face for that and it's really really good was that something that you kind of always had an interest in and when it was introduced into the Royal Ballet you like jumped on or did you kind of have that stigma as well about like no I don't want to get hench <laughs> Yeah, no, I I was always interested in other exercise as well, but I think that was because um, I often found like doing class wasn't enough, you know, especially when you first join the company and you're just doing class and then standing at the back of rehearsals, mm. like learning things. I found like that wasn't enough to keep me fit. Um, so I would, you know, wanted to try and do other things. But when uh, I... I was always quite interested in it, but when I did my rehab, like I just did so much rehab. (laughs) (laughs) That from that, I just, you know, have carried on. And, um, and I, I think I, I I think also what I have enjoyed with that is that, that there are goals that you can meet yes Uh, and that you can make goals achieve them and then also achieve above it and Mm. and be and be told that's really good like that's amazing like no one else can do that and that and I found a lot of confidence in that the hard part for me was transferring that to the ballet part because I knew I knew that I was strong I I know that I'm strong but using that strength in what I do in ballet um isn't always everything that I need to do a performance yes Um, just because I can squat 105 kilos doesn't mean that I can get up and do with you know deal like yeah but I think and I believe that it it does help yeah Um, and I think you're right like we said earlier about this there's no bar in ballet there is a bar like there is a grading system and I think I will say for the same with my brain it's actually lovely to like do the maths and be like oh I did 5k now I can do 20k now I can do 25k actually see results and feel like I'm actually going places and with ballet it's so subjective and like one day you're on your leg and you can do like four pirouettes feel fantastic and then you can't do that again for a month but that like methodical scientific the results are right there like it is satisfying it really is and I think 
it's also really celebrates your body. Like it's really good to feel strong. And I think yeah. like we've said, you're never going to have this perfect ballerina body, but it's also lovely to feel like, yeah, but I might not have that, but like, look what I can do. I mean, I read about your like 105 kilograms. It makes you like stronger than some of these rugby players. Right. And I think that's so amazing. It's like, exactly like, look what a body can do. And I think that's so, yeah. such a healthy mentality. And I think, yeah, it will really like nourish you as an individual and therefore as an artist because you're right like and that's probably the argument for a lot of cynics who are like yeah but how does squatting help you do a fuete but it's yeah it's maybe it's just even even at the very least it's the confidence it gives you to feel good about your body then that might help you do a fuete like I don't know it's I I'm a believer in it I really am and I think um it's really encouraging how we're just being taken a bit more seriously like as athletes you would this is science and it's like attention to detail was happening years ago and I think it's just kind of been left the dancers and it's so lovely now that yeah. it's like oh my god but you're doing like that many shows a week and you're like not preparing your body or you're not like you know making your ankles stronger like hmm, why is that yeah. so it's lovely that there's that attention yeah and with your injury I mean again like that is such a, a difficult time and it's not too similar to like you know the pandemic and everyone sort of like left sitting still for such a long time emotionally where were you at to try from the day where you you know you couldn't stand up on it to kind of getting back on the stage and, and feeling good and feeling strong again and how did that change your relationship with your body and your dancing and your work yeah well I'm I'm not sure particularly why I had this mentality I think there were also some other things going on in my personal life um that I basically was like you know what like we never get any time for ourselves. We're mm. dictating when classes, where we go, what rehearsals we do, what shows we do, all these things. I was like, this is my time to, to get strong how I want to get strong, look how I want to look, like be the kind of, be me and make the changes that maybe I didn't have time to really look yeah. at, you know, certain technical things or those kind of things I was like and I just literally like that was it I was just all I did was get back to being the strongest dancer I could be and I think that I felt like I achieved that my first show back was one of the Russian girls in Serenade which is like not easy (laughs) like very puffy like and that was in nine months, I was back on stage after my surgery, which wow. like they said at least a year it would be. And I was three months of that not walking. So mm. I just, yeah, I would just spend hours doing all this mad strength training and Pilates and like, yeah. And so I feel like I used it in a positive way. Um, but I was also very fortunate that it was very smooth going. Like I didn't really sort of, oh, you did a bit too much today and now it's really swollen or blah, blah, blah. I, I literally, it, it just, I was really, and and I realized that more now, um, afterwards that I was very, um, lucky with, or fortunate with how it went because you know it's also something that I I don't like really like saying it very much but 
it was definitely a career ending injury like really? it, it wasn't like you know oh yeah you just have this and you'll definitely be back um and the surgeon said that like I would get at least another good five years and it'll be well it's just been seven years this summer yeah. just gone proved them wrong <laughs> but like it yeah it was um yeah quite a big one so but yeah I definitely feel like I tried and and did use it more as a sort of like turning things around situation rather than a like oh this is really rubbish I'm losing a year of my career um because you know in, in everyone gets injured at yeah. some point I think if if some if if I added up in my whole career the amount of time that I've spent injured or rehabbing or blah 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 it basically was that nine months mm. and I think other people if they added up that three months they had here or yeah that as as a thing I think it would you know probably accumulate to a similar amount of time um yeah and I think mm. certainly I feel like having a bigger chunk off and then being back is probably less frustrating than sort of you know being struggling with different injuries but over sort of periods of time and getting back and then being like oh no it's not quite right or things like yeah, that yeah. that would be much more frustrating and mentally mm. but whereas as I said I was quite fortunate with how my rehab went so it just sort of went upwards um to a point where I felt good and confident and that I was back yeah um, yeah so yeah mm, and what are your tips I mean you've, we've talked about you know already the kind of perfectionism and also about encouraging yourself to feel good not be distracted too much by all that kind of nitty-gritty and also you know the physicality and conditioning but what are your kind of tips and tricks that you use to keep yourself feeling confident to keep yourself feeling good and pleased with your work and body confident and things like that yeah I think um certainly now I, I I've been trying to like without it sounding too depressing because it also sounds depressing but have that feeling of which it pretty much is at the moment but like this might be the last time you do this mm. and so really having that feeling of you know without as I said making it too emotional but actually being like I have you have to enjoy and love yeah. every minute you're doing um I think also also <laughs> I feel like from a, like I get quite an observant person like I I like to sort of observe situations that go on and sort of um without sounding creepy watch people <laughs> um and I think one of the things that I certainly feel like I have struggled with and I I watch and I I feel like other people do as well is that feeling of not being able to be yourself because being yourself on stage isn't quite right maybe mm. or um and I think a lot of confidence confidence comes across better 
when it feels natural to you and when you feel like how you're dancing, how you're performing, how your show is, is from a, a personal feeling and how you feel and things like that, rather than um, feeling like, oh, but did they like it? Mm. You know, that feeling. And, and so I try now to, to try and be like, well, this is, this is me, this is how I want to do it. And if, if you don't like it, then like, you need to communicate with me better how to, to, to do it in a way that you do like it because this is, this is me, yeah. you know? And trying to have that confidence of, you know, or belief that if you do it with conviction and you believe in what you're doing and how you're doing it, that it will come across in a much more positive way um, than if you're just constantly trying to be what other people want you to be or smile like, you know, like sometimes we just get ridiculous feedback like, oh, like I can see your teeth too much when you smile or something like that. And you're literally like, what? Yes. Like, like I can't even smile, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what are you, you know, or just crazy things sometimes. Mm. And you think like, no other, no other industry gets picked apart like, yeah. like ours does, you know. I mean, maybe acting and, and stuff a little bit, but you probably just wouldn't get the job if you didn't look a certain yeah. way. Whereas you get given the job, but then they like tell you all the things <laughs> like, that like are wrong with how you're doing the job. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, <laughs> um, so I think, you know, trying to find your own inner confidence and your own way of doing things is the best way forward for growing as a performer and as an artist because you can get the feedback that you know might be given but at least you you are doing it as part of yourself rather than already trying to sort of yeah be be someone else or something else yeah because I think it's easier to grow from that like that rather than yeah being yeah, trying to be something else and then adding more other things on top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're going to like go home and, and your director's not happy with your performance, but like you're not happy with the performance, then it's like, well, I wasn't being myself and they didn't like it. But if you're being yourself, yeah. then you can be like, well, I was having my performance, they didn't like it, but at least you're going home being like, well, I liked it. And I think yeah. Yeah, definitely I've done that before as well. It's like gone to an audition, almost being like, well, what do they want? Like, what are they looking for? Do they like the smiley girls? Do they like the serious girls? Like, you don't know. It's like, realistically, like every time you try and do that, you're never going to get it right. And actually, maybe the one where you were trying to be someone else, they were actually looking for you. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, you just waste time by trying to please everyone else. If you're just like consistently yourself and consistently yeah. like, okay with your performance, then like you're more likely to get it than just like, trying to be like seven different girls in one place. Yeah. Um, what would be your advice to your younger self? If you were to see her at the, you know, the Royal Ballet or even at the Royal Ballet School when you were much younger, what would kind of be the thing that you'd want to tell her to give her hope and keep her working? I think that it would be like, believe in yourself and your ability more. And I think as well, like it is one of those things that it's, you're never gonna be like, you're never gonna be able to see yourself 
how other people see you mm. like it's impossible but I think it's being able to identify the parts of you that make you feel confident and bringing those other parts up to meet that you know by doing other things about it you yeah. know not waiting to feel more confident you know like if you're you know worried about your flexibility like try and work on it so that it meets up to the to the to the same point as the other parts that you think you know you maybe feel more confident about but I think it, it is that that believing in yourself and confidence that does bring you through in ways that just being technically good doesn't I think um I'm still a big fan of a seamless technical performance but like there are certain ballets and certain things that like you know it's just transports you to a completely different place when it's someone that really believes in what they're doing and believes in the story and in themselves and the people around them um yeah. and you can only do those kind of things if you you do really believe in yourself and what you're doing so um yeah i think that but also work hard <laughs> and also like <laughs> yeah. oh but yeah well, thank you so much, Claire. This has honestly been so lovely and I'm so excited for everyone to hear this because you've got such a, an insight and uh, an experience that is so valuable and I'm so glad that you shared and was so honest. Honestly, thank you so much. Thank you very much.